See this acorn? I'll throw it at you and turn you to stone. Ooh. I'm really scared. No, don't. Don't. There's a, a pack here with an acorn pointed at me. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or, mm, whether they hold up today or best left of the past. Mishmast? <laughs> you have to forgive me. I've been doing dry January for eight days now and yeah. um, I've had a glass of wine. Yeah. So I'm off, <laughs> off my tits. <laughs> I'm off my tits, Greg. Uh, maybe it was the being sober bit that was the challenge. Yep. Sure was. And I'm Greg. <laughs> um, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Very well. Very yeah. well, thank you. Oh, that's good. Been on holidays. Yeah, same. For about six months now. <laughs> yeah, touche. There's not a lot you can not do with holidays months. these days. Yeah, you can go to the cafe, put on a little mask. Got the mask. I've left, so we had a few in the car and Carol really went sort of two extremes of masculine, well, yes, yeah, yeah, masculine and feminine masks. I got some. Sort one's of, got a penis on it. One's got a vagina on it. Yeah, yeah. basically, or lipstick lips and a. And a beard. <laughs> Does it really? No, uh, but just like you know, colours yeah. that are typically associated with either of the sexes. Yeah. For example, she's got a few in there that are a mauve. Mauve. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's a fairly feminine colour. Yeah. So funny. anyway, suffice to say is that I've been wearing mauve masks when I would duck into cafes, etc. That's okay. I think it's a cool move. Is it? It's 2020, baby. I don't mind. Yeah. It's just, you know. Yeah. Whatever, baby. <laughs> I feel, Do you wear a mask in when you get takeaway? Yes. Yeah, I've made a mistake a couple of times. It's not in my muscle memory yet. Yeah. Because I just go across the street there. Yeah. And then I walk in, I'm like, oh, fuck, I did it again. Do you hold your shirt up over your mouth or anything? No, I lick all the muffins and then walk out. Yeah, you're an old muffin licker. <laughs> The best stuff's on the top, man. Yeah, that's it. That's it. The muffin tops. Hey, speaking of muffin tops, mm-hmm. Greg Way, uh, merch, merch store. store is when you when this hits your ears, the merch store is live, baby. Live, 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 live. It's live, baby. Tell us about the merch store, Tristan. So I'll give you a little audio tour of the merch store. What's available day one? There will be more stock coming in. We just want to make sure that we only give the best quality shit. So we're not putting anything on the store until we've. Ordered. We wouldn't wear ourselves. That a, we wouldn't wear ourselves. That B, you know, we're, we're quality testing from the printers and all that kind of shit. So we've got a few more that we're still waiting on testers from. Once we get those, they'll be on the site. Our whole philosophy with the merch, Greg, wouldn't you say, is what if what if podcast merch? Was good. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, when I say I guess, absolutely. Because a lot of, uh, as, as someone who has indulged in little podcast merch myself, I think a lot of them use like pretty cheap stock and that kind of thing. Ooh. We've tried to find Are you like. throwing shade? I'm not throwing shade, but I just mean like. I am. <laughs> it's quality. Um, Tristan's wearing one right now. I'm wearing one right now. It says Double Impact with Tristan and Greg. Yeah, which is also the name of the podcast. So I've made mm. sure there's some synergy there. That one's quite, you know, names on the tin. Yeah, it's quite traditional. There's so we, we've got others. a few. There are others. We've taken a few, a bit of a postmodern approach, Greg. Um, Pomo? A bit of a Pomo approach. So appropriating some other logos you may be familiar with from other film franchises, but incorporating the language of Double Impact. 
keep going. So I won't keep going on that one. I won't reveal them all. But go okay. on the website. We've got about four variants there. Yep. We've got a premium friend of the show tea, which is for those that want to give us a little extra support. But you've got your staple and you've got your other mm. few creative examples. But there's about four or five shots on there day one. There'll be a few more. And we're just going to keep being creative with it and making a few more bits and pieces as we go. So there's always a reason to come back. Absolutely. It's exciting. It's exciting. So we'll announce on Instagram probably um, over the weekend on Monday as well and we'll add it to the link tree in our bio. It's so exciting. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. It's good merch. You get some great product, but in the process you'll be helping us um, scale this podcast as much as we possibly can. Everything we make is going to be reinvested into the pod. Mm -hmm. Into the socks we wear while we pod, into the cars we drive (laughs) to get to the pod. Yeah, into the mansion. Uh, and I assume that'll come after like four T-shirt sales. <laughs> exactly, that's how these things work. I, yeah, a lot of most people say overnight success is what you should plan for. Yeah. Speaking of overnight, did you watch any films overnight? <laughs> overnight, no. Although I did watch the last 38 48, minutes. <laughs> 48 minutes of Willow this 48. morning. I thought I had ten minutes left. That movie goes for like eight hours. I think. Oh my goodness, it's not that long. It feels long. <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, I I have maybe a controversial opinion on this film. Oh, well, I'm very interested to hear it. Before we get into that, though, this film came out in 1988. Uh, it's yeah. always good to contextualise the year. Yeah. But there was not many, there's not much of a landmark for that um, year. I would no, think. no, 1988. Yeah. Eight, 88. 88. Yeah, a bit of a dud. Us, it's a spit. <laughs> what? <laughs> bit of a dud year? Dud year. Yeah. Dud year if you... If you rated years on how shit they were, does that make sense? <laughs> I see where you're getting at. <laughs> um, 1988 was the year of Expo. 88, Tristan, you forget. Every, oh. every time. Right. I don't know how you keep forgetting. The ultimate yardstick in human civilization. It is. Um, the highest of Expo divers. 88, the highest of divers, the monoist of rails. <laughs> Look. It was the mono is Latin for one, and rail <laughs> means rail. I hear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> duh. <laughs> Look, Sorry. okay. Well, I'm going to put this back on you, sir. This is very oh. fitting. Shit, it's very fitting that you are jibing at the jibe, <laughs> jibeless yeah expo at this point. Because if you're a brand new listener, you would not know that we like to delve into the depths of um, cultural phenomenon. That is Expo 88? Yeah, for one of us. For me? I'd never heard of it until our first 88 movie. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. If you're an old friend of the show, I hope you're like, yeah, more Expo 88, I love it. And actually we're going to work on some Expo 88 merch as well. We are, exactly. I need to test it. Um, So, Tristan, your nonchalant negligence of Expo 88. Yeah. It's coming back in your face, sir. Okay. Because tonight. Oh, no. When we revisit Expo 88. We're going on to a quiz. Ah, shit. So the quiz is for you to, <laughs> oh, to answer questions about Expo 88 because uh, my logic was, you know, we've done about four or five of these now. I should be an expert, I'm going to fire off some questions at you <laughs> and see how much you've been listening okay. to me waffle on about Expo 88. And, look, these are, aren't things we've discussed. So, oh. Um, <laughs> so it's irrelevant whether I've it's, been it's paying void. attention. Okay, so we're going to go through four questions. Okay. Um, Question the first. (laughs) Which country was not present at the Expo 88 Fair? Was it A, South... I assume you've got a backing music on for me. Yes. 
A. South Korea. Mm-hmm. B. China. 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 C. Pakistan. Mm-hmm. D. Denmark. South Korea. <laughs> this is no, no logic behind What you. was the logic there? He, uh, just the way you said it, maybe. Excellent. Um, the answer was D, Denmark. Damn. The Danes. Too busy with the Lego, I guess. Yeah. Second question. Uh, the Expo Oz, the lovable mascot of the fair, was... Um, a, a possum. B, a bilby. <laughs> C, a quokka. Oh. Uh, or D, a platypus. I believe it was a platypus. Yeah. There you go. Back on neutral. Back on I'm neutral. Back. back to zero. All right. Let's see how you go with these. We've got two more questions. Okay. Which musical act did not perform at the closing ceremony? The Beatles. All right. <laughs> yes. I'll give you a bonus point for that. <laughs> but that's a bonus point, so you're at one. Okay. Gonna have to answer the actual question. Okay. Was it A. Tina Turner? B. Cher? C. John Denver? Or D. John Farnham? B. Cher. It was A. Tina Turner. I thought that might. It's a trick question because each of those had, except for Cher, had like a cultural tie of some sort, except for John Denver. But that sounded realistic. I am trying to trick you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. Yeah. The Sky Needle. Do you know what the Sky Needle is? It was like a... Seattle? Uh, no, at... Um, Brisbane. Brisbane. Was, oh. um, it's been relocated. Has it been relocated to A, Euro Disney, hmm. B, Tokyo Disneyland, C, the Daintree Rainforest, or D, none of the above? None of the above. Always given. Oh, damn it. <laughs> My strategy in any multiple choice if it's not always go for it. Oh, yeah. Which was it? Uh, B, Tokyo Disneyland. There's actually, could I just say, it's getting harder and harder to <laughs> fill this segment because there's not as much content as you would like and expect mm. out there on Expo Ad. I'm following all kinds of forums. <laughs> Um, the, no, none of the forums let me in. They're all <laughs> private and you had to have worked. At, it's quite elitist. Really? You had to have worked at Expo Sparked. Huh. Yeah. Anywho. So I only got the easy one right, really, and then I got one smart-ass point. Well, so I kind of failed. I'm not super proud of that performance, to be honest with you. But you know who should be proud of that performance in 1988 specifically was the film Rain Man. <laughs> <laughs> Came in at number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, Sally, not, Sally Dibbs, 82468423. Yeah, Sally but Dibbs. without Randy Quaid. Remember that was a precasty, Randy yeah, Quaid? Was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We should do that film soon. We should. I haven't seen that. Not anymore. for a while until I can think of some more <laughs> shit. Yeah, you can't yeah. do any of these movies for a while. So we're actually. Here's a list of the movies we're not going to do for Correct. a while. Number two was Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Number three, Coming to America. Oh, that'll probably be the next one. Definitely. Yeah. Crocodile Dundee 2, Twins. Rambo 3, Big, Die Hard, Masquerade, The Land Before Time, but coming in at number 18 was, of course, a little film about a big hero, Willow.
film came out in May of 1988 with a budget of $35 million and a gross of $137.6 million. Wow. Uh, which performed, Good Romy. Yeah, but under expectations. I think yeah. a lot of that came from worldwide box office. Oh, okay. Um, so it's profitable but not what they expected. And when I get into the origin story, there'll be a bit more context around yeah. that because – its origin story was not what I expected either, to be honest with you. Me too. Rotten Tomatoes, critic score of 51%, audience score of 79%, which tracks, I think. Now, this movie wasn't big for me. Was it big for you, Greg? It was big for okay. me. Okay, I thought well, you picked this one, yeah. Yeah, so when I mean, Big for a lot of people, as it turns out. So I, I saw this film at the movies, which, if you think about it, that's pretty early, right? Like, I was born in 82. It's a big year for you, man. It would have been. You went to the movies and Expo. It was. Maybe it launched at Expo, like our sub-movies launched at South by Southwest. Oh, it should have. Apparently it premiered in front of the Royals in the UK. Did it? Princess Diana was right there. Oh, bless. Mm. And that's a good good thing. This Warwick Davis guy we'll get into hopefully later. He's a good egg. He is. He's a great egg. He's a great egg. I love him. Yeah, I love him. So it probably would have been early 89. It was a, I can remember the boy, it was a guy called Damien Reynolds that I went to primary school with. It was his birthday, you know, the month. Ah. Um, Damien lived So on, he was six years old or something? Yeah. Wow. He lived on Massey Street in Gladesville. Wow. And his, his, his parents were recently divorced and he had this lovely mum and she took about eight of us to the movies and we watched this movie and it was really cool. I think we might have gone back to his house to eat some treats. And it was a great day. And uh, I watched this movie quite a lot on VHS when it first came out. Yeah. It was a big gap. So this was a really pure rewatch. I hadn't seen this movie in yeah. decades. Right. Um, but I had watched it a lot. And so it feels like probably that time in your life where, well, obviously pre-DVD but also – the demographic for this movie, I would say, you're probably quite young and didn't have many movies, so you probably watched the hell out of this. Man, this was a yeah, this was a big movie. I would have watched tons. Like I had movies like this, even though I hadn't seen this. But like my grandparents' house, for example, they always had Alice in Wonderland on video, so I'd always watch that every yeah. time I went there. Yeah, but I just didn't have this one. Never yeah. heard of it. <laughs> you never heard of it. I, so was this new when I was? I'd heard of it in the last few years. Yeah, interesting. Um, but it's again, it might be that couple of years because it might be. But I, I'm also starting to observe a trend here. I didn't know Labyrinth. I didn't know Princess Bride. I think it's, it might be a genre thing also that just never made it into my household or something. Yeah, 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 for sure. And then the rewatch in terms of enjoyment levels, I think there's also a gap there in terms of the genre. So we'll get into that a little bit. It's interesting. It's interesting you say that because I think. Broadly speaking, that, I think you're similar. Broadly I'm speaking, similar because Star Wars, it's still fantasy. It's, it's still. I don't think my dad, it's wizards. My in dad space. doesn't fuck with fantasy. I don't think yeah. so much. So, um, so I, it never was my jam. Mm. I don't know if that's just because I didn't grow up on it or what. It just because wasn't anyone in my household's jam. I don't know. We'll dive into that a little bit yeah, later. Good, good. But before we do, I did do yes. a plot prediction because oh. I haven't seen this. <laughs> I've been. Wait, have you given a plot prediction yet? I did one for um the. Estevez's film, <laughs> the, the Bin Boys or whatever it's called. Men at Work. Oh, yeah. Bin Boys is better. Bin yeah. Boys. <laughs> With a Z? Yeah. Uh, I've got a plot prediction. I didn't pre-record it because I'm trying to save on um, editing time. So I'll just read it out. It's sort of bullet pointy. 
Um, I hope you're putting a backing track over it. Though. I'll, I'll put some kind of backing track over it. Yeah. So Willow, played by Val Kilmer, <laughs> or maybe Warwick Davis. Oh yeah, yeah. Is your classic lost soul, full of potential but wasting his life until he meets a special lady, but then she's gone. He must find special lady. Along the way, he meets a friend, or is it a foe? Unclear. In Warwick Davis's character, who I will call Frederick. So I ended up, you know, making a call there. Um, But Willow finally applies himself and he gets results. But is he saving her or is she saving him? Obviously, all in a fairy tale setting, Tom Cruise might also be in this. It's also a love story. Well, could I just say yeah. that that's kind of what happened? Well, it's interesting. Just Let, the, let's save it for the rewatch because short version is in watching this, I'm like, oh, I'm way off. But then by the end I was like, actually, that's about some right. of it is there, but it's just it's a bit jumbled yeah, up. Yeah, it's just jumbled. Yeah. And the Tom Cruise thing, he's in some kind of movie like this, right? Ah, uh, legend. Ah. I wasn't sure if that was this one. Timeline-wise, I realise that's unlikely now. But I thought this was movie could have been from the 70s. I had no idea. Mm. Um, but it's also interesting, which we'll get into in the rewatch as well, is that I feel like my plot prediction really reveals my prejudices or at least my expectations upon a film like this. Mm, go on. Well, female is like the one that needs to be saved. Yeah. The tall, handsome one is the hero. Like I made a few calls there. Mm. But they're not. that's not necessarily so. You're not writing it. You're just applying a uh, inherited bias. That's true. To the genre. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's true. I'm 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 applying the tropes of the genre yeah, to the genre. Yeah, it's fucking tropes, baby. Which is something impressive about the movie, which I'll save for the rewatch. Yeah, but that's before kind of get... all I've got to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into that, why don't I get into the origin story? Origin story. So this was uh, again a, a movie I didn't know much about before this week been doing the researches and one of the first things or pops one of the first things to pop up on screen is produced by George Lucas. Yeah. Now a lot of people don't know this, but George Lucas made Star Wars also. <laughs> Keep going. How about that? And of course Indiana Jones with with Spielboigs and such. And this was also one of his and it's one of his ideas. And it's interesting when you look at the timeline because he initially conceived of this idea back in 1972. It was originally called Munchkins. But what's Weird about that is those two aforementioned films or franchises, more accurately, were in his head around the same time. So if you think back to the last Raiders of the Lost Ark episode, we talked about the origin of that film and how George Lucas in the early 70s came up with these two ideas based on the pulp serials of the 30s and 40s. One was a space opera with lasers. One was an adventure man with a whip. One became Star Wars. One became... Indiana Smith, eventually Indiana Jones. Yeah. Timeline-wise, this must have been the third one. This is like the lost triplet. Yeah. And in many ways could have been the the third one, which is kind of crazy to think about that this one man almost, well, he did come up with two pretty massive franchises, huge influences on pop culture and almost a third, which – this one almost kind of could have been, is, yeah. maybe is. There's still a TV show coming. It's, um, it's almost like the Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting that, yeah, this is, so whatever the fuck George Lucas was doing in the early 70s, he's come up with three pretty big ideas that would go on to 
without going too hyperbole with it, change the world. Yeah, this is like the Marvel Universe OG. Yeah. In some ways. In some ways. Without the universe. Yeah. And three Crossover. three overlapping genres but kind of different genres, right? Like three different kind of settings maybe mm. at least, at least settings. Earth. <laughs> um, Indiana Jones is probably the most different. Because it's on Earth. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not fantasy. Mm. There's fan, fantastical elements, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, he didn't do much with this idea right away. There were limitations with his vision and what was possible with special effects and such. So he went straight for the lasers instead, which I think actually come to think of it, I believe they used the same backlight technology that that, um, Tron used for the lightsabers. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cut them out and then you have the light behind it. That'd be tough because you've got to move it so much. Well, they just do frame by frame. Of course. Same thing. Anyway, he didn't do much with this idea yet. Um, But again, another link to Star Wars, Mr. Warwick Davis was a Star Warsman himself. yeah. Or he, Star Wars boy. Star Wars boy, yeah. He was a lot younger than I realised. Well, he is a lot younger than I realised. Yeah, um, 11. He, was that how old he was? I was 11. doing some of the math and I was I couldn't figure out when they shot it versus when it came out. So he was 11. Well, apparently I read that his grandmother or mother um, saw that they were looking for people under four foot yeah. for Return of the Jedi and yeah. she put him forward for it. He yeah. was 11 at that point. So Man, that's crazy. And he was supposed to just... Being extra, yeah. But then the guy that was the main Ewok, Ewok, yeah, was sick, and he stepped up, and he became the man, the Ewok man. So cool. And George approached him with this idea in '82 of like, would you be interested in a film like this? Because he kind of had this idea, and this, these are his words. I thought it'd be great to use a little person in a lead role. A lot of my movies are about a little guy against the system, and this was just a more literal interpretation of that idea. And that's good. I think it's one of the strengths of the movie too. But needless to say, he asked this this kid at that point in, in 82 whether he'll be keen for something like this. Not that the movie was even in pre-production yet, but I guess at this point you're still kind of spitballing this kind of thing. Five years later, he's cast in what I can imagine would be a dream role. You're a kid. You, you're an extra. He's 17. Then you're, then you're head Ewok. Well, that's the thing I didn't realise either. I was like, he looks young. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah we um, commented on that. I didn't. Imagine that he's 17, especially because he had kids. Now in the meantime, parallel to all of this, a young man named Ron Howard from the Happy Days and such, Mm, making a name for himself, directing the pictures. Cocoon. He's made hits such as Splash. He's in the process of making Cocoon when he crossed paths with George Lucas once again. They'd met previously on American Graffiti in which he was an actor. He was an actor on American Graffiti. Yeah, right. But for Cocoon, he's using industrial light and magic for the special effects, ah, okay. which at the time was owned by George. George, George Lucas. And so at some point in there, you know, they got to talking and Ron Howard was pretty keen on doing a fantasy movie next. And, you know, mm-hmm. all the stars aligned and, and, and that's what happened. So he's on, he brings in writer Bob Dolman to translate sort of the, the rough story into a screenplay he was a comedy guy, as it turns out. He worked on SCTV as a Canadian and would go on to direct the Banger Sisters. <laughs> what are the Banger Sisters? I don't know. It's one of those movies we throw out as a name, like Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants. The Banger Sisters? Yeah. I believe it was Goldie Horn and Susan Jeez. Sarandon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, all these three, this this trio got together. <laughs> well, no, but it was quite late. It was this like, threesome got together. Not that threesome. 
George Lucas, the Banger Sisters, Ron Howard, and uh, Don Dolman mm. got together at the old Skywalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, they were at seven drafts in six months. These guys, they're workshopping this thing together. I imagine they're drinking wine, expensive wines, I imagine. From Juniper Estates. Juniper Estates, that's what we're drinking. Clink. Shout out to Rob Carroll and the, and the team at Juniper yeah, yeah, yeah. Estates. Boys. We love you. They supply great pod juice um, and we appreciate you for it. Oh, yeah. They write seven drafts in six months in 1986. They they get to a point where they're pretty happy with it. They take it to studios. Most of them are like, nah, fantasy's dead. Oh. People don't want fantasy. Remember Labyrinth? Failed. Remember that other one? Failed. And there's probably another Remember one. Remember that also. other one? Yeah. No? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I can imagine that guy saying that, an Ari Gold type. Ah, what an asshole. <laughs> what an asshole. Fuck you, he the Ari Gold type. He could use some fantasy. That's the Ari yeah. piece. And the thing is it's like it's it's um, Lucasfilm, so they don't need – they just need a partner to chip in half basically and they eventually got MGM. So it eventually happened, thank the Lord. Um, getting into casting, Warwick Davis, of course, is Willow. Val Kilmer is Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan. Uh, Joanne Wat, Wat Kilmer, what? Yeah, Joanne Kilmer for a while. Joanne Wally is Sorcha, Sorcha. It's Sorcha, right? <laughs> That's not correct. Yeah. And fellow podcaster Kevin Pollock is one of the brownies. Yeah, potty. Yeah, he's a comedian and actor. I know who he is. And a pod. He's got the Kevin Pollock chat show. Isn't he in Usual Suspects or something? Yeah, he's in Usual Suspects. He's in Casino. He's the, great. The blueberries in the muffin and such and. 225 to 240 little people were cast in this yeah. movie, which is massive. I didn't have any pre- – did you have any pre-castees? Um, I had someone that auditioned for Mad Mardigan. Oh, who was that? John Cusack. I could kind of see that. He went for it. As in he wasn't like a – he wasn't cast for the role, no. but he went for it. Yeah. And uh, to this day he calls it one of his biggest misses. Really? Yes, sir. Interesting. What do you mean by that? I don't know. I wouldn't. Really? Yeah. Either he's had very little misses or he's lying. Either you could shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> Usually the ones that got away are more significant, like this... Will Smith not doing The Matrix. No. Oh, I didn't do Willow. I'm, I think I might lose some friends in this episode. Showing some cards here. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get into it. Um, so they got these people. They shuffled them around town, some of them in Wales, some of them in New Zealand. Some of them on green screens and blue screens back in those days. And they made a little picture there. Bish bash posh. You got yourself a movie rap party at uh, the old Viper Room. Let's play the trailer. It was a different time. It was a time of destiny. A time when a child could tip the balance between good and evil. Why, with my powers... With the strength of my great army, can you not find one little child? A time for an unlikely hero named Willow. Tell her I'm not going to let anything happen to the baby. we got to give that baby to somebody. I'm somebody. A time of scoundrels. What goes on here? Uh-oh. And a time of rebels. <laughs> You are great. 
creator of Star Wars and the director of Cocoon, Willow. It's interesting. Those two names do make it sound like, oh, this is like a serious movie. Mm. Because as you can tell from my history with this film, I didn't know anything about it. So before doing the researches, I just thought, oh, yeah, it was a small movie and it developed a cult following. I didn't realize that this was meant to be a massive movie. Well, me neither. Yeah, Yeah. because you're six years old. Yeah, I didn't know who George Lucas was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was surprised to see Lucas films at the beginning of the rewatch. Yeah, it is very, very interesting. Now, Greg, there's uh, it's a long movie, and a lot of friends of the show may not have have had enough time to watch it before listening right now. So do them a favor. Would you be able to maybe just? I'll skip. Yeah, a it's a long. Yeah, I'll I'll skim over. Sears for C. That a baby with a very distinguishable birthmark will grow to end the tyranny of evil Queen Bavmorda of Noctar. Classic. As such, she's imprisoned all the soon-to-be baby mummers of the land. They find the baby, but the midwife smuggles her out of there, out of the chamber of babies. Babies. Past. <laughs> The security, which is questionable. Yeah. Hapless. What is this, the Capitol building? Hey, hit it. From there, the midwife raises this child from birth through the snowy mountains for six months. Somehow, before she puts her on some grass and floats her downstream just before the evil sheepdogs eat her. I thought they were rat dogs. They were quite good. Sorry, continue. They They were... They were Dobermans, apparently. Yeah, no, 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 sorry, they were Rock Wheelers, your enemies. Rock Wheelers. If only she knew how to do a spinning splits kick. Just a fucking front kick, baby. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, no wonder I grieved of terror. <laughs> so, a little baby goes on a little you know, Moses-like bit of grass and she's discovered by a few hobbit-like children who then share their discovery with their hobbit-like father, mm. Willow. Now, the evil sheepdog then comes to the town, terrorising the other hobbit-like people. Willow confesses to town that they were looking for this non-hobbit baby that he'd found in the river. Mm. The hobbit wizard then says, they've got to go drop the baby off. Go drop the baby off. Adventure ensues. Mm. It's also a Hollywood love story between Val Kilmer and his now ex-wife. A real love story. Yeah. A love story. There's actually a cute little clip. I don't have it here. Maybe I'll put it in in post. Let's see. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> of him saying, 
before they were married, basically, like, um, you know, the kissing scenes, I kept forgetting my lines because they were basically in love. Oh, Love hearts all around him. You could feel it. Yeah, it was nice. She's so pretty. She's very pretty. Yeah. And he was quite pretty himself, except oh, for the teeth. He's a babe. Yeah, what's the deal with the hyge- the oral hygiene? Because he had no teeth. Well, it was future past medieval. Yeah, but then when he when he got out of the thing and then his pearly whites were Hollywood ready. Oh, were they? Yeah. Oh, maybe he'd just been eating squid ink pasta. He'd in been eating too much black root. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. Which was vanilla. Vanilla sticks. Is that what it was? Interesting. If you're wondering. <laughs> if you're wondering. Um, before, well, as initial thoughts, can, can we start with kind of tracking this against my plot prediction? Because I thought it was interesting. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote this thing down, I press play, and I'm obviously working from a, from a bias of trying to prove my thing. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. okay, yep, this is checking. And I'm like, okay, so this baby will grow up to be Val Kilmer, Willow. That was like my first thought. And then there were, oh. yeah, yeah, because I knew nothing. I was, okay, oh. so that's how what, it would work. What a pure rewatch. <laughs> innocence of childhood. And, <laughs> and then Warwick Davis shows up fully grown and I'm like, well, this, this isn't going to work. And then he says he's Willow and I'm like, no, this is falling yeah. apart. I Although forgot I he did, was Willow, to be honest. Well, then I did say all Warwick Davis, but I think at the time I was making a joke. <laughs> I don't think I actually thought yeah. that. Um, and then, oh, the baby's a girl. Uh, oh, and the and the the woman is a baddie. She doesn't need any saving. I'm way off. But then, as the film went on, I thought, you know what? I'm not that far off because exactly. I think I had the elements that were just all jumbled up. So that yes, there's arguably two. Well, all three of them are almost reluctant heroes. So Willow himself, you know, he's a, he's just an ordinary farmer, doesn't know what he's capable of, kind of thing. He's not sort of the. I made him out to be more of a dropkick. Yeah, where Val Kilmer is more of the dropkick. Reluctant yeah. hero, um, and even uh, even Dorsha, Sorsha, <laughs> reluctant Sorsha. hero also. Reluctant hero also. She starts off as a baddie. Now, baddie's daughter, like she's the daughter of the, the yeah, the lead baddie. And in the idea of upon embarking on this journey, meeting someone you're not sure if it's a friend or a foe, that works for for Val Kilmer as well. Like, is he going to be good or bad? A bit of both. Some real Jack Sparrow energy, by the way. That's interesting. Yeah, especially when he post drag, when he still had eyeliner on. There was a moment where it was like, oh, that's pretty much Jack Sparrow. Yeah. he had a few plaits and things. Whoa. Yeah, swashbuckling around. Whoa. And then the idea of is he saving her or is she saving him? It could be said about a lot of this. I mean, I deliberately used cliches, so I guess they're pretty adaptable. But And this is a film that thrives in the bask of cliches. Whilst subverting said. some. I would argue because I think where I did get it wrong was in all of the, the I suppose sexist or even yeah lack of diversity yes yeah <laughs> uh, oh, tropes yeah. big time because I think what what this movie does really well which is something most movies we cover do not do well at all is the old uh, representation of women uh-huh. um, she's a badass she doesn't need any saving. She's not the damsel in distress. She's a fucking weapon. Um, The tall, dark, handsome guy is not the hero. Willow is the hero. So there's some good subversion of these things going on. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And do you feel, I I had, you know, we like to play around with having a read of, uh, well, definitely the great Ebert's review 
mm. is, is a starting point. But yeah. also just, you know, was the take at the time. Yeah. And I feel these these parts got glossed over. Which is really weird. And maybe, I don't know, it's the benefit of hindsight. But I agree. It's You don't really – it seems like these things should have been bigger deals at the time considering how little representation both of these – you know, females, <laughs> I talk about like Sephora species, <laughs> both females and little people have in cinema overall. Yep. It's still a pretty big issue. This was pretty well done. And I, I really liked as well how he's kind of the centre of the movie. So in many ways he's not even a little person in this. There's people bigger than him and there's people littler than him. It's not really like. Ah, uh, the brownies. Yeah, the brownies. And then it's not like the tall people are just humans. They're, they've got another name for them as well, right? Scallywags or something. Uh, they do. Uh, I forget uh, the name. But I quite like that because it really just gen- – it doesn't position um, little yeah. people as some kind of mystical, strange thing. They're just hobbits. Which a lot of other movies do. It's just people come in different sizes. <laughs> like that's kind of all there is to it, which I quite like. So all of those things age really, really well. And I did just a couple while we're here. A couple of other things I quite liked were the special effects, such as the Wheeler rat dogs. I don't yep. think they were rat dogs, but they look like rat dogs to me. Mm, special me effects overall. I'm surprised they're Roddies. The faces. That, I yeah, thought I thought they would be greyhounds or something. Yeah, yeah they look like greyhounds. Um, oh, and I think they do a good job of building and feeling that large scale. But again, I think I was writing this at the time where I thought this was a smaller film than it was. Mm. So I guess that's maybe to be expected when they thought they were making the next Star Wars. Yeah, um, that's that alone is a bit of a mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. Thing. So, but yeah. So before I talk a little bit more about how I do the rewatch, I want to give credit where credit is due. I think all that stuff is really good in terms of textbook things that hold up. That stuff holds up really well. Did I enjoy the rewatch? Uh, it was alright. I didn't. It wasn't. It's not really my thing. Mm, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's um, I, and I don't really have any constructive way to break that down other than childhood bias. I think that's a big part of it potentially, like because at the end of the day, I feel like it's probably a kids' movie, so I'm not going to tear a kids' movie to shreds. Like <laughs> if that's okay, that's it's, there's nothing wrong with kids' movies. Is there something here uh, for me personally, as an adult that didn't grow up with it? I feel like without that nostalgia investment, there wasn't much return. Yeah, that's um, that's fair. Uh, I respected quite a bit of it, but in terms of sitting there enjoying it, I'm like, yeah. Will you watch it again? No. Maybe with a kid. Maybe with a kid. Well, how about you? How did you find it? Uh, yeah. Very conversely to that. It was nostalgic. Mm. It was a nostalgic rewatch. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I haven't watched this movie in ages and heaps of it I'd forgotten about. Um, so each little scene was like a little burst of... Nostalgia. Yeah. Um, I felt, I loved the family. I loved his little family nucleus back in the Nelwins. Yeah. Back at, uh, back at his, like the kids were so cute. They really were, huh? So cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And his yeah. wife was beautiful. She gave him his hair, her hair. It was all very sweet. Did, uh, look, Carol's never given me her hair. I had a busy really? meeting the other week. Isn't it in the shower drain? Even before we, well, she does do that. <laughs> but she never, you know, even before we interviewed Frank Duke, she didn't cut off her hair and give it to me. Didn't she? No. That's Did I cut it? Yeah. yeah. She gave Have me- you seen how short her hair is? No, I didn't Always notice. wishing me luck. 
She what? She planted it and gave it to you <laughs> for good luck. No, she did not. She would never do such a thing. What? A, see what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's just a level. There's levels to love, Tristan, and I think <laughs> we could only strive for a Nelwyn love. I feel like what I'm hearing is your love language is hair, and which is ironic because <laughs> I have none to give. Or is it ironic? Or literal? Or is it just? <laughs> it makes sense. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was nice. Um, what else did I have to say? Yeah, it was it was nostalgia. It was sweet. And then it got pretty boring. It's too okay. long. It's too long. It is long. And it's it's a funny one because in, in some ways I felt like it, it's like simultaneously there's a lot happening and not much happening. Yeah. It did feel – in some ways I was like, well, this feels like five seasons of Game of Thrones compressed into two hours. But then actually when not. you look at the plot, not that much actually happened. Not that much happened. But it's like then we went over here, then we went over here. It makes sense that they're making a – TV series now because I think that would actually work a lot better because you could spend time in each of those and it can each be its own little story mm. within the story. Although yeah, I think the and fantasy's back. They can fantasy's back. You, you can get these budgets now for these things yeah. with less uh, hassle. I mean, it didn't do well at the time, which is interesting, especially when you think about Labyrinth, which I did like as it turned out, but I didn't see it at the time. But I liked when we covered it yeah. in the pod. Mm-hmm. It just seems like a real downtime fantasy. Yeah, but it, but it did reveal to me actually that you know I've I'd always considered myself a lover of all types of films, but I just looking at my track record now and and thinking about a few things, There's a bit of shape happening. Maybe this fantasy stuff is just ain't for me because I've never been a Star Wars person, like we said. I hadn't even heard of Labyrinth or Princess Bride until mid twenties or so, and. Lord of the Rings never did it for me. I could never get into that. Did you ever get Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't do I it. I did. Couldn't, it doesn't do it for me. Harry Potter, no. Game of Thrones is a bit of an exception, although I was pretty late to that party. Um, I like to sleep to Lord of the Rings, I'll just clarify. It will put me to sleep, that's for sure. It's, it's really good to go to sleep to. Really? Can I say? Like, I mean, I love the cricket. I love cricket. Yeah. I love going to sleep to the cricket. Really? So it's like. I think. I was never into cricket, so maybe it's maybe it is a fantasy. maybe it's a pacing thing. I don't know, um, but yeah, Star Wars as well. Which again, I feel like it, that's that's fantasy in space. It's it's not sci-fi. So I'm just starting to realize that this kind of isn't my jam. Yeah, fair enough. And so I totally understand if people like this. This is no uh, no disrespect to to film tastes out there. It's just not for me, and that's okay because I'm sure I've loved movies that other people have despised. I also think I also wonder, and this is maybe me being too maybe too harsh of a critic. Yeah. Did you give it to the wrong director? Because to me, Ron Howard, you look at his filmography. I I would argue he's pretty vanilla. And I like what you said. Well, I like where you're going with this. I I was surprised to see it was a Ron Howard thing. Yeah, it didn't feel right. But he's I think done, he wanted this. He right? wanted this was early days too, and so you'd be forgiven for thinking he maybe wasn't so vanilla. Because I think Cocoon, I haven't seen Cocoon. Splash. These are these are big, interesting movies, relatively speaking. Since found his niche. Well, yeah, of he does sorts. Oscar Beatty stuff. Mm. But then he came on and did he took over Solo, the Han Solo movie, after. Oh, did he? Well, last minute after the other guys that were doing too many. Oh, I forget their names now. The guys that did like the Lego movie, Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah. Interesting guys. They were doing something interesting with Solo, and then he came in to vanillaize it all. So he just strikes me as a real. Vanilla. I love vanilla. Don't so, get me wrong. You need vanilla, but do you need vanilla 
in a story. Oh, I just mean about- I resent <laughs> vanilla as a flavor being used. Oh, you feel like it's um for boring. Vanilla's complex. Vanilla's subtle. Vanilla is the margarita. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lesson in restraint. If you want to test the quality balance. of your local gelati hole, gelati hole sounds. That's your mouth from your local. <laughs> <laughs> From your, yeah, local, yeah. Uh, your, your local Italian ice, is that the same thing? It's probably I'm not. I'm not sure. Vanilla, that's how you test. I think so. Now, that's I mean, my take on it. I agree. So let, what, what do we say here? He's middle of the road. He's, uh, he's Diet Coke. I'll go with that. He's Diet Coke. I think in more capable hands this movie could have been the third one. It needed a big bag of chilli. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who the right director would have been in those days, but oh, in modern days, I would say. We could say, speculate. Well, I would say in modern days, maybe like a Guillermo del Toro type. Oh. That would be interesting, right? There you go. Yeah. Your recasties have just. My redirectories. <laughs> I feel like then you've got a fantasy world I can work with. And you, he, need you, more, know, you need the fantasy. And you need it. And up. maybe it was also just too early, Ron Howard, because it sounds like. He even says in one of the interviews, like, oh, I didn't feel like I was the director. I felt like it was such a big production. I felt like I was the VP yeah. of um, Filming Incorporated or, you know, something Yeah, that's like that. fair. I mean, and, I, yeah. And George Lucas has said things like, oh, in a movie like this, you can't leave it to one single man to make all the decisions, so I stand there in the background. So maybe as a relatively inexperienced director. Is it George Lucas doing everything? Yeah, it was like, well, I, maybe he didn't get to make all the choices he wanted to make, so give him some credit there, but... Yeah, I feel like to to make this a thing, it could have used some more interesting choices from a more interesting director, perhaps. Um, mm. But and again, don't get me wrong. A lot of the stuff on paper, I'm like, I could, I feel like I could get into this. But what we what we have on the screen at the end of the day Not doesn't quite do it for there. me. Yeah, there was some. Um, I did read that there was some background information in one of the earlier screenplay drafts on a couple of the characters. Oh, yeah. Which is cool, mm-hmm. um, which might have given you a bit more as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think specifically Mad Mardigan and Sorsha. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you want me to blurt these out? Yes. All right. This is verbatim read off our website from the internet. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna, just gonna I'm going to read it. Um, Mad Nardigan was originally a knight of the Kingdom of Galadorn, which is the kingdom that General Kale mentioned having destroyed to Queen Bavmorda, so she's wiped him out, mm. and that the character Ek, 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 you know his mate, the redhead dude, mm. um, was the only, uh, only real friend he had, but... Mad Mardigan had recklessly got him into trouble, as did his love affair with an Eastern beauty that tainted the family name. Mad Mardigan had a chance to regain his honour in battle, but he ruined the chance by deserting, so he bailed on the mid-fight. Yeah, this explains right. some of that antagonism and bitterness between Mad Mardigan and Ack. So this is interesting. This is probably all the shit they workshopped at Skywalker Ranch and, and then yeah. wouldn't fit in the movie. Yeah, And so rather than like... They just probably just tried to do a bit of everything and, and they could have just hit more high points with all uh-huh. this stuff. It's the kind of thing that would work better as a TV show because you could see that Get being an episode. To build these characters. That's an episode. We want to learn more about Mad Mardigan. That's an episode. Oh, it's a series. It's yeah. a season. It's a season, it's a season baby. potentially. Yeah. Uh, so Sorsha, 
So she was originally the daughter of Tyr Asleen, who was a good man. It's interesting because we talked about, you know, this being maybe the unmet trifecta of George Lucas, but in many ways this has more in common with Star Wars than Indiana Jones. It's got oh, all this lore. It's pretty Star it's Wars. It's got all this lore and he, I'm sure they made this with the idea that they'll be making more of them maybe to dive into a lot of this stuff. Maybe, yeah, especially off his track record. Well, 88, what did we have then at that point? When did Temple of Doom come out? Did we have the did we have Temple of Doom? I think we had. Is that the second one? Yeah. Yeah, I think we had that. Right I think we had all the first three Star Warses. Yeah. Um, so at this point he's like. Where's got, Spielberg got, at this point? He's, he's done everything at this point I think, right? Yeah, because remember we talked about him on holiday with George Lucas in Hawaii and they were. Well, that was for Indy. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that was early 80s. Yeah. So I wonder. 81 was then. Well, he's, this is the funny thing because George Lucas says he felt this same symbiotic, 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 symbiotic relationship with Ron Howard as he did with Spielberg. So I think he felt like this is the other child I'll give away to another creative kind of thing. But again, perhaps he chose the wrong person. But yeah, to your point, with all these, with this broader law in the world of Willow, they did make sequel books, which I, yeah. think, I think he co-authored, George Lucas co-authored. Did he? I did capture that, but I didn't know. I think they made like five books, which is wow. interesting. Oh, hang on, excuse me. He would have button for that. Wow. Gosh, I need a little of my pushing stick. <laughs> did you hear what they're about? No. So it's about apparently the baby, Alora, yeah. grows up. Well, this is what I was thinking. Sorry, you keep going. Well, this is what I was thinking. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt. But this no, is what I was go, thinking go, was go. I thought the point of the movie was that was all just preamble and then fast forward 20 years and the the baby's the main character. So it felt like a bit like an Anakin Skywalker scenario where like in the next movie it's going to be. It's going to be an asshole. Well, maybe an asshole but at least. She's an asshole. At least an she's ar- not an Anakin asshole. Oh, but she's, she's a real bad Anakin Skywalker turns out to be Darth Vader. Yeah, that's correct. Who's the baddest guy? He's one of the baddest in the land, mm-hmm. in the cosmos, in the not anymore. I don't Star know who Wars. They are now. I, get I think he got good in the end. I don't even know who are they now. Star Wars people. Who are the bad guys? It's that alien guy, and then he dies. He wasn't even a big guy. The dark side. I don't know. It's all. The dark I didn't watch side. the last one. I don't understand them. Elora Dannon's. So yeah, she basically is a spoiled brat who seemingly takes joy in making misery out of others' lives. Wow, because. She had no friends or right. something. So some some guy turns up and makes her feel good. Interesting. Or sex with her or something. <laughs> um, only a stranger can lead her to her destiny. Wow. Sounds sexy. Interesting. So it makes sense that the, the series that's coming to Disney Plus is a sequel. Is it a sequel? Yeah, and Warwick Davis is going to be in it. So I imagine it's going to be a full, uh, what's the word? Timeline-wise, in line with the real time that has passed. Oh, it better. Yeah. Oh, it better. So that baby's going to be already like 40. I bet they'll make her young and hot <laughs> and everyone else will have aged appropriately. Oh, they better. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> but like these babies that get born, they're prophecy. The chosen ones. Chosen such. ones. Why do they the prince them, that was promised. Why do they give them these birthmarks? At, Lovecraft Country. 
He's got one too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just like, means you're going to get wiped out. We need this secret person to be secret. Let's put something on his skin so everyone immediately knows. Who They're he not is. a secret. Yeah. Why? It should be more like, what, what would a good one be? An ability to sing at a, a certain high note perhaps. Um, uh, being able to move your eyeballs individually. But why do, why do you need the specific things? Oh, he should just, yeah, why do other people need to know that this is the chosen one? Yeah. I see what you're saying, Greg, it's a good point. Just be like, you or I. Yeah. Bog standard. <laughs> I prefer to think of myself as slight, slightly above standard. Mm. That's If I was a superhero, I'd just be slightly above average man. A bit, oh, t- a bit taller than your average bloke. i got an yeah, extra tooth. That's true. You got an extra tooth? <laughs> yeah, so I feel like I'm just slightly more. You're definitely taller. You want me to hit that top shelf? I got you, bro. Ara said to me today that she doesn't need me anymore because we've got a ladder. Fuck, that's hectic. I wanted to touch real quick on special effects. I was hoping you would do that. Yeah, I'm going to hone in on one specific area. There's a lot going on here. There's a bit of stop motion. There's the old blue skip, blue screen, with the brownies yeah. and such. It'll jumping around there or willy-nilly in the trees. And um, But there's also something that was quite new at the time or something that was they didn't yeah. invent but they took to the next level called morphing. Yes. Uh, so I'm talking specifically about the scene where Willow is turning the goat into a – Ostrich into a lion into into a, a possum, sorceress into possum, a possum, which is an astri- for those here locally would have recognised that as the um, classic ringtail possum. Yeah, the iconic uh, mascot of Expo eighty eight. Yeah, not to be confused with. <laughs> we'll have a marsupial down under. Sure do. Um, so initially they were like, "How are we can do this? We could do some cutaways. We could do some fades. We could do some transitions or some kind of just clever photography." But the the geniuses at Industrial Light and Magic thought, hey, this is an opportunity to to bring the industry forward. We've got something here. Um, other other films had done similar things, like Flight of the Navigator. If you remember, the ship morphed into different shapes. It was yes. like a silver blob, and then this. Yeah, but that was a silver blob. So here we're talking about animals and humans. We're talking so about emus. It's a next stop. It's a diverse range of animals too. Feathers. Once you're throwing feathers and, and pouches. It would be one thing if you're going from like a pig to a wombat to a warthog. <laughs> but we're, we're going all the colours of the rainbow of, yeah. of the world of fantastical fauna and such. Um, so they, they, they built new technology um, where they would take these actual shots input it into the program and it would actually morph, as it were, into these different shapes. I don't know how else to explain it other than that, other than what it looks like. I mean, it but sounds it was a, right. But it was a new thing. I think that's the main point here is this was this had not really been done before at this level. It would obviously go, in, go on to be um, pretty heavy duty put into Terminator 2, mm. the end of the Michael Jackson black or white video. <laughs> <laughs> Snoop Doggy Dog, what's my name? Oh, yeah, turning into the dogs and yeah. such. A lot and of music videos, and then nothing. I'm pretty sure there was a sit- oh Roseanne. What was <laughs> remember the Roseanne, the Roseanne intro? They all they keep morphing. I can't remember that. Morphing was huge. Yeah, it was big. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That's just word association. It's not related. Um, but now nowadays the morphs. It, but it's it, this was like um, a hot trend because this was pretty groundbreaking stuff. Where mm. it's like, oh, we can. We can morph shit. Let's just Let's put do some morphs. Morphs in everything. Uh, X-Men character named Morph. Uh, never in the movies, funny enough. I, he was my favourite character as a child in the cartoon. Who? 
morph. He would, he could, he would like, like a mystique, he could change shape oh. into things. Yeah. Maybe he was But he was a bit of a larrikin. A larrikin morpher. Yeah, yeah. He was a wise ass. But it's interesting, I was thinking because how far it's come now where we were very happy and blown away with morphs back in the day. And then I think by the time I was in like year 11 or year 12 at high school, there was a, there was a morph program built into the, the IMAX in the computer lab. But, um, but now we've oh, been watching Lovecraft it. Country. I don't know if you're up to these episodes, so I'll say this in a spoiler-free way. But the, there's certain characters that transform into other characters Oh yeah, I've seen the yeah yeah the transformation that have have you seen how they transition back? No, not properly. So this is in in the world of eighty eight where it would have been a morph. You're seeing what the limitations of this technology in the way they do it now. It's just fucking crazy, man. Pockets of flesh blasting off and like oh man. Oh. Anyway, my point there is just that it was a hot trend for a minute there, but obviously we we have a more detailed approach to to how these things are done these days. Mm. But, yeah, um, such is such is twenty twenty one. Yeah, absolutely. But an important milestone, nonetheless, for this film. So that's definitely a point in its corner in terms of legacy, in terms of bringing the industry forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big time. Yeah, yeah. As you'd expect. As you'd expect from the budget and the power yeah. house production behind this. Exactly. Exactly. So we talked a bit about how this borrows from other films. I thought, um, look. If I was being critical, mm. uh, you could potentially describe this film as a collage of tropes. Yeah. So let's just list a few of those out. Mm. Uh, Evil Queen Overlord, uh, yes. borrowing in-house here. Well, Disney but via Brothers Grimm but… Um, Snow White. Snow White yeah. and the um, Wicked Queen. Yeah. Uh, Baby in the Basket um, by the Bulrushes, pretty much. Story of Moses. Right, yeah. So, you know, if you're going to borrow something, why not borrow from the OG storytelling mm. Old Testament? Fair enough. Star Wars we've discussed. Uh, the big one for me, and this this really hit home when I watched Lord of the Rings, the movies, because I, I read The Hobbit, I think, when I was a kid. But Right. Um, this surprises me. What? I don't know. I just didn't expect that you would be all over that stuff. I read The Hobbit when I was a kid. My mum had Yeah, right. Yeah, she, she, my mum wanted me to read it. Right, it was her favourite book. Right, um, not a bad choice. Yeah, people like that book. It's awesome. I, I hope I, I was just thinking. I hope I still have her copy somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anyway, but like storyline wise, you got mm. little people, yeah, reluctantly thrown into a world of dragons and trolls and etc. Yeah, to return an object. Yeah, ring versus baby that will ultimately save. The universe. Yeah. It's pretty well-trodden territory. It is. But like for but me, it, Lord of the Rings and this is like the same shit. Like it's the yeah, same shit. But in this, by the same token, you could all – these three ideas that George Lucas had in the 70s. You could they, apply. They were all leveraging tropes and just kind of heightening them. True, but these two are yeah, yeah, the yeah. same world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you – I, I did wonder that. Not being as close to that. They filmed in New Zealand. Yeah, 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 yeah. They filmed in New Zealand. I did have that in my notes at one point because I'm not, I'm not a big Lord of the Rings guy, so I don't know enough. Man, it's the prototype for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like 100 percent the prototype. Well, for like Lord the, of the, the off-brand prototype, like the Correct. we couldn't, we didn't do official Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. yeah. But then at the same time, like things like Indiana Jones played into all the 
classic tropes of the genre, but I guess they brought something new to it. Yeah, and whereas it, was, it feels like this doesn't necessarily bring anything new. Well, to Well, this it. brought it to the to film. I like, guess so. Yeah, Lord of the Rings wasn't already made, and the subversion of those tropes we talked about, where it's like totally, you'd say. It, it borrowed on the story heavily, but it you know brought it to cinema and yeah yeah yeah. Uh, you know I'm not criticizing. I'm just yeah. observing. I'm passing comment and yeah. I, you know I think that I'm sure old mate Peter Jackson would have would know Willow pretty well as a film. Surely you got to imagine a young Peter Jackson nerding out reading these books. Willow comes out and he's like, oh maybe this shit is possible. Yeah, but yeah. maybe he could have. Cast a few fucking little people in his story. Uh, so this is what I haven't thought about Lord of the Rings for a long time, but in watching this and in thinking of where we are in 2020 and how far we've come in terms of representation on Mate. film, I'm like, yeah? I was just thinking the same thing. Why didn't they cast little people? I was, I was looking it up today and I found a few like Reddit threads on it, a few articles. A lot of people say, well, hobbits have the proportions of like oh, not come this, off it. you know, they're just smaller, yada, yada, yada. But then there's also like the guy with the beard, what is he, a troll or something, where they have different dem- – it's bullshit. Like yeah. cast, <laughs> you can totally cast little people in yeah. these roles, 100%. Well, J.R. Tolkien said originally in his scriptures these people aren't little people or aren't dwarves. Yeah. Well, there are anyway. – Well, that's where it gets confusing too. So because, confusing. Well, and that's where it also gets a bit weird because – it's a bit of a catch-22 because a lot of the roles that little people do get are in these yeah. fantasy fantasy genres, which is in some ways great that there are roles that exist, but it's also a bit shit because not just for the actors but also the community, it doesn't do a great job in normalising Yeah, because it just kind of perpetuates this idea that there's... Get them for those roles. It's some kind of mythical creature where it's just a human that's a bit smaller. And so something that Warwick Davis himself is working in is getting people, he has an agency for people under five foot. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have Tom Cruise yet, but he's working on it. Get it. Get it. You're closer in many ways. (laughs) I am today for some reason. There's been a few, well, there hasn't been a few. The one that I know of is Gary Oldman played a little, little person in a movie once. Did he? Yeah, I think they just put like shoes on his knees or something. Yeah, but it's like sometimes I'm only I'm only human, and I you know grew up in the context in which I grew up in. And sometimes when I see I see these headlines of who should play who in movies, and I I catch myself going, oh, but it, but why? And then but this one is pretty black and white, man. There's plenty of little people out there. Why can't they just play the roles? Like there's not there's not it's not so little of a community that there's a talent shortage. No, yeah, there like was two hundred and fifty odd in this film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and there was heaps of recognizable ones. Yeah, well, it was a lot of familiar heaps. faces. Call it a handful. Yeah, um, and despite all of this, Warwick Davis has had quite a career. Yeah, he's so impressive. Fifty-seven film credits to his name. Um, all started in Star Wars, as we said, as as an eleven-year-old at casting stage, as it turns out, and then only seventeen in this. Um, he then did a Narnia TV show, which I kind of forgot about, but did, that was on ABC here. Rings a bell. Yeah, I watched. It rings a bell. I always I knew it as, it. I always knew it as Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, because I didn't know anything else at that point. I think it was in the later seasons by the other names, because it was all Narnia. But I remember 
going against everything I just said where I wasn't into fantasy. That show blew my mind. Yeah. I think did, it was you my read, real, did you read this? I never read them. Books. No, I just saw the show and just the idea of there being a secret thing behind the wardrobe I think was the winner for me. Um, so he did that. Then he went on to do, of course, The Leprechaun. With I'm the leprechaun. <laughs> I'm the leprechaun. Exactly, with Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> and he played that role five. Pre-nose pre job. Pre-nose job, Aniston. And he played that role five more times. And what I think, I, I remember watching Leprechaun when I was a kid. That's probably the first Warwick Davis movie I saw in hindsight at Jono's house watching The Leprechaun. And what I love about that, John, that, that franchise is they've gotten like ridiculous with it. I think in, in a way that I can enjoy I think I watched one of them a few years ago, but they're, they're full tongue-in-cheek now. So one of them is Leprechaun in Space, Leprechaun in the Hood. <laughs> like they're all stupid. Yep. Yeah. Keep going. They're all ridiculous. Um, so you should check them out. And maybe we'll do the Leprechaun at some point. Now not soon because we don't want to run out of Warwick Davis movies. Mm. Um, then he went into the Harry Potter movies. Then he appeared full circle, the Chronicles of Narnia movies. Um, and then, pretty iconic, this is probably where I came to know him by name in Life's Too Short. I don't yeah. think I actually watched this series. I think I just watched lots of clips like the Johnny Depp one we were referring to before. But in this show he plays himself and like in real life he does run an agency for little people. Mm. And he's so he does this in real life. He's got um, a talent agency that specialises in actors under five feet tall. It's called Willow Management of all things, Willow Management. They have 250 people on the books now. And so, yeah, he's kind of, I guess, paying it forward in a way, although he's still taking some pretty juicy roles for himself. Yeah, <laughs> little something, something. Little something, something. He but does tallies as well. Does he? Yeah. Does he? I think if you're over seven foot. <laughs> does he actually? I believe so. <laughs> but are you making it up? No, no, I really. Oh, okay. But I just don't remember the details. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's diversified. So he's diversifying. <laughs> Wow, good for him. That's fucking cool. And he's a pretty hilarious, dude. Yeah. Actually, should we play that clip you said? I'll play that clip you said. So there's a clip. Of, this is good. Yeah. There's a great clip of Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer reminiscing about this particular movie. We haven't played any clips in this episode, This is so this is not a bad one. It's a bit of dry banter between of, these two old friends. Yeah, good on him. Willow. It's Willow. It's 25th anniversary year this year and we have a Blu-ray to celebrate. And uh, 25 years ago, you I were just a just a wee one back then. 17 years old. 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now? Now I'm 43. It's a movie that's remembered very fondly by a lot of people. Though, it isn't is, it? still. You find people say, can't oh, go, man, Mardigan. Can't go through an airport without someone saying, peck, 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 peck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the most common thing people say to me, actually. Really? You started that. That's because that's what you were. Years of abuse started yeah. by you. That was a lot of fun. Saying peck. Yeah. So what is, what's your overriding memory of, of Willow? Just think about it and use my name in this story. It's, it's you, Warwick. Thank you. So much love and heart. Mm. You, you are what inspired Peter Jackson's career. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't, aren't you? That's what you said to me earlier in the trailer. <laughs> that Willow inspired I don't think the I Lord that. of the Rings. Yeah. yeah, it would have been nice to be in it, though, Peter. Yeah. We were there first, though. We were there first. We and, started and, all that, didn't and we? And New Zealand. 
Yeah. He filmed in New Zealand. Yeah, we started that. It was a lot of fun. He was just following in our tiny footsteps. <clears throat> yeah, the producer was George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Never hear about him anymore. Oh, what a good couple of blokes. I like that. It's hard, it's hard to not talk about Val Kilmer after watching that. Mm. Poor, poor bloke. He's had some throat, can- his throat cancer? Yeah, and he's, he's basically lost his voice. I saw him in a movie recently, a bad movie, don't watch it, called The Snowman. For whatever reason, it was positioned as like the next Gone Girl type of like edgy thing. Yeah, and it was terrible. He was in it and his voice was dubbed. And at the time I was like, that's so weird. And then he doesn't really have a voice now. And he Aww. he can't eat either. It's through a tube. Oh, what? Yeah, like it's pretty. Grim. Yeah, it's pretty fucked. Like he, I think he's, relatively speaking, okay now. But, mm. but those things are there now. And he met his wife of many years on yeah. set here. Yeah. Sosha. It's pretty beautiful. That, that is nice to see that on, on screen chemistry that I felt. Yeah. Translating into real life love. They have two children. I don't know a lot about her. No, she hasn't done heaps by the – I did a little bit of Hunt. but she, I did a little bit of a read. She she's active, briefly had a music career as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Great, great, lovely red hair. Yeah. If I may say so. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the series is coming to Disney+. Plus. It is, 2022. Um, Ron Howard is not directing but Good. I think he's potentially producing. But they've got John M. Chu – Who's the crazy rich Asians guy? Aww. Crazy rich Asians guy uh, to do it. So that's interesting. It is. It's not Guillermo del Toro by any means, but hey, could be good. Um, it sounds like they got a lot of a lot of law to work off. So it sounds like they're not just winging it. It's going to be a sequel series. Uh huh. They got all these books. They got all these probably fucking flip charts from Skywalker Ranch that they can work with. Yeah. I was going to say back there for a second that, oh, maybe this could be the thing that George, because George Lucas doesn't have Star Wars anymore, maybe this could be his thing. But then I realised, oh, no, he sold Lucasfilm. He didn't just sell, sell yeah, Star Wars. sold the shebang. So he, he doesn't have this. And he doesn't need to do anything. He doesn't need to do anything. But I do kind of feel for the guy. Like the, the, the prequel trilogy, yeah. even if it's shit, he was trying to do something interesting, whereas like the reboots were just – Trotting over the same shit they always done. It's just, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I, I think he. I feel like, hey, don't get me wrong. He's doing just fine. <laughs> he's cool. But it would have been. I wouldn't mind seeing him do one little last hurrah. Maybe he will. Maybe he will, and it's not going to be this, but it could be something. It'll be something. Maybe it's double impact. A true story of how two mediocre men, slightly above average, managed to make a podcast like every other white man in the yeah. country. In a dark room. In a dark room. The sun's suddenly gone down. Should we get into the verdict? Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Overall thought for me, I think I've made it pretty clear. It's like, hey, this is a kid's movie. That's totally fine. I'm not going to evaluate a kid's movie. I'm not going to tear apart a kid's movie through an adult lens. I think it works as a kid's movie probably. Would I watch it again? Probably not. Um, without that nostalgia invested, it's, yeah. it's not a lot there for me personally. Without an attachment to the genre as well, it's not a lot there for me personally. 
but I will probably watch this again one day with a potential kid, little Tristan Jr., little TJ, you know. Mm. Um, we'll watch it together, I'm sure. Yeah, nice. What about you, Greg? Um, I do have the nostalgia attached, so I will happily watch this again. Yeah. Not for a little while, but I would like, yeah, when Brucey Boy is a little bit older. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I enjoy. I enjoyed the rewatch. Yeah. It was super nostalgic. This is a nostalgia vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that had more firepower behind it than I realised. A lot more firepower and it sounds like it's a nostalgia vehicle for a lot of our listeners. So yeah. hopefully you watch it over the weekend. Hope yeah, you enjoyed it. Yeah, rewatch it, guys. It's on Disney Plus in Australia, which I assume would be global. Yeah, yeah, Because Disney so. tends to be Disney. I believe they have that in the Americas. Mm. Yeah. So rewatch it, I say, if it, if it was special to you and enjoy it. Rewatch it, listen to our pod, which you've already done. But it's almost like this podcast is like the special features to the movie. Yeah. Um, what are we doing next week, big one? We're doing Street hey, should we Fighter. Go our, we've got to go through our bits. Oh, uh, yeah. Bechdel test. It passes. It passes, it yeah. Passes it fully Bechdel, passes. It passed the Bechdel test in the first scene. There's many female characters just talking about all kinds it's of all things. It's all the women. Yeah. At the beginning. you got the mother and the midwife and the queen and the daughter and they're all not. They're all talking about the baby and the baby's female. Yeah, yeah. And that was like the final like extra little yeah, thing. Which like, oh, is nice. The baby's female because all Men those things. Men a lot to me. I think on the one hand, I think you're being generous in saying, yeah, but you were, you know, predicting the plot off the tropes. But at the same time, uh, the same inherent bias there that I was applying to this movie. So I think it's it's cool. That's cool. Um, on the flip side, no porn parody. <laughs> yeah, I had a look. I had a look. <laughs> no porn parody, no Simpsons reference. Simpsons have never done this from what I could tell unless there's any kind of deep cut reference. I didn't find any, yeah. No. Um, FX tests, I like them. They hold up. They invented morphing technology as we know it. Um, explosions that had fire-breathing dragons, that's pretty good. I didn't do recasts. did you? I didn't. No. No. There's some movies where you want it and there's some movies where it just doesn't feel that interesting. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MVP, yeah, I'll give it to Warwick Davis, I think. I'll give it to Warwick. Yeah. Do you have any as a… As a On your waza. I really enjoyed the kids. They were really like They sweet. were so cute, man. They got to me. I don't know if it's just a life stage thing where I'm ready to have kids or something. It but could I'm be. But I'm just like… I really responded to they the kids. They were adorable. Yeah. And the little girl, the, his daughter. Oh, when she was crying, was that, that seemed like real crying. Yeah, that kind of hurt. <laughs> that kind of hurt. And she looked like my niece. Oh, really? A non-Asian version of my niece. Right. Because Carol was like, she looks like Millie. And she did. Like she just oh, had the same wow. sort of, I don't know if it was the bangs, but either way. That, that, and his wife, I thought she was beautiful. She mm. was so adorable giving up. I know I said I've never been given the... Carol doesn't listen to the show much these days, but if she did, <laughs> I would call out again that she hasn't chopped off her hair for me. Yeah. Going into battle. Get it together, Carol. Do you care or do you not care? Do you care? <laughs> do you care? So I can't spell care without hair. But also that you reminded me of something. One of the thoughts I did have was it might make more sense though if he didn't have a kid, any kids, and was reluctant to take on yeah. having a kid. Oh, and and the other one I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. I also wondered when he got the acorns that can turn things to stone. Yeah, I thought he was going to find out at the end that they were just regular acorns. Oh. and it's the fact that he he was always he a sorcerer. It. Yeah, that would have been nice. He was I always like a sorcerer. It. It's just the fact that he believed it that it happened because he's a sorcerer. Yeah, there could, but that's that's, a bit, a good that's call. pretty tropey though. Yeah, but hey, we're in trope. Fest we, are here, in, baby. we are in trope town fantasy land. All right, what do we got next week? 
Um, we've got the Street Fighter. Oh, gosh. This is a pretty landmark. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So watch it. Maybe watch it twice because we're going to go deep on this one, I think. I have intercepted. Oh, it's got Kylie Minogue in it. Yeah. I have intercepted the radio. Oh, no. <laughs> in the meantime, check out the merch page. Check out the merch page. Check out that little section in the Apple Podcast page where you can leave a review. Check out that little YouTube channel Thank called you the Pop reviews. Critic. Yes, Pop Critic. Check out our Instagram page or shoot us an email if you like. Doubleimpactpodcast at gmail.com. Until then, see you next week. Good night. Night.